Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Wait, I need a picture for the podcast. Or for yeah. the uh, thread. For the gram? I got to take a picture for the gram. gram. Well, what's that? I don't gram that good. Let's see, here. I probably should, huh? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't use it. That's what he does. If we get both of us taking a picture of both of us, <laughs> <All right. laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> nice. That'll work out pretty cool. Maybe too far away to see who I'm taking a picture of. <laughs> Have you seen that video of the girl? Doing TikTok dances in the middle of Costco while people people are trying to shop, and no, there's not. a somebody, the mom like sets up the 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 phone, mm-hmm. and she's like zooming in and out while her daughter is just like flailing because she's like doing this hardcore TikTok dance, like on purpose, or this was planned. Yeah, in the middle of Costco, like she starts playing the music, and the daughter's doing the choreographed dance. And the mom's videoing the the dance, and she's like, she's she's doing all of the cinematography yeah. right there with the phone in the middle of the aisle at Costco while people are just trying to shop. They're trying to like they're like walking around them and stuff. See, I, and so somebody caught the whole the whole thing, and so they're standing back there videoing the mom videoing the girl doing the TikTok dance. And of course, the TikTok looks interesting. It's like the mom's zooming in and she's doing this crazy dance she's a good dancer and the music's like hopping there it looks fantastic but if you take all that out of context and you're just watching this girl flailing her arms like (laughs) she's possessed and the mom doing this thing with her phone they look ridiculous well and and people walking around trying to shop and they're like they're just looking at them with their and and that's the thing is like i've all those those huge youtube creators talk about that is like hey i don't like you you cannot be embarrassed and do this because if you're going to go out and get b-roll and all this stuff people are going to be looking at you and justin man justin will be like he'll he'll grab his his phone put it on the gimbal and he'll be walking down the street talking and people are passing in it and if you pay attention like everybody's doing this yeah, like, what's this guy doing? You know, or he'll stop in the middle of the store. I like me. I'm about the convenience factor. Like, I really want people to, you know, I don't want them to be inconvenienced by me. I don't like being the center of attention. Yeah, when I'm not being a good center of attention. Yeah, exactly. That's a that, that's that's a thing for me too. If people look at you and they can't decide if they should call the police or an ambulance. Yeah, I, or David, does that happen to you often? No. What are you talking about? You don't want to be the center of attention. I'm sure you don't desire, but you always are the center of attention. 
Seriously? Yeah. Seriously. Get out of here. The smirkling face. Like, me? Tee No. <laughs> I don't think oh, so. It's not intentional. <laughs> well, you make it look good. Well, that's good. Fake, but good. Yeah, like I'm good a, with being fake. Like somebody tripping out in the middle of a Costco. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> you look like the girl dancing in the TikTok. <laughs> hey, look. If I look like a girl dancing in a TikTok, I guess I'm just good at it. I didn't see she was attractive. Oh, okay. Well, I, I would hope not. She was rough. <laughs> it was Costco, so at least I had a membership required. It wasn't just anybody. <laughs> I'd be, be I'd be mad. I paid for my my fee, and I show up, and there's some girl doing a TikTok in the, middle of the aisle. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here I, for my free samples and my <laughs> A5 Wagyu. Sounds like you got some free samples. They got A5 Wagyu. They do at Costco. Yeah, legit. Really? Mm-hmm. We don't have a Costco's. What do you, you know? Got Sam's Club. Yeah, that's no Sam's Club's not the same, not, dude. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah. I got a I got a year membership at Sam's Club because they were doing some crazy deal, and you like you got extra points if you bought it with your credit card. So I signed up for the year. We went three or four times, but it was like the 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 selection was not nearly as good. It was just it wasn't even as good as Walmart. You're like I prefer just go to a Walmart. I'm not getting that good a deal, and the selection's terrible. Yeah, at Costco though, like they have some legit meat. They have legit like. And and the selection's much better. Get a giant thing of garlic powder. You're good for the year. Have to check that out. That's always handy. Can you yeah. get out of there under two hundred bucks? No, no, you can't. I go for dog food and milk. Dog food and milk, and it's two hundred bucks. <laughs> so yeah, but see that used to you. If you wanted to spend less, you would just go to the grocery store. That's not the case any longer. Now you go to the grocery store and you're like, okay, one seventy five, or I go to Costco and spend two hundred. What's the difference? I, you know, look, I think we got to introduce everybody to our guest, right? Like we got to do that, but I'm still offended about the Facebook message thing. And so I think I have to tell the story. But do you know how fast I respond to you now? I know, right? I mean, within 10 minutes. I just want you to understand Eric Merchant from Merchant Automotive and Diesel Specialists. Just, bro, listen, I don't think you I don't think you grasp I'm, this. You don't have to say like his whole name. You just say Eric Merchant. Everybody already knows who you're talking about. Like just, I don't think you understand how popular the dude is. I, I, I'm sure he is. It's awkward I when just, David reads it like that. <laughs> I know it's just listen, awkward. it's pretty awkward when David ever? reads it's, no it's, matter it's what. It's very weird. Because he's staring at me funny like he's trying to focus on my badge. And I don't know if he's looking for <laughs> more. <laughs> I mean, listen, he was oogling you... me. He was looking at me straight up and down, oogling me. <laughs> you ever felt like you've been looked at being Google searched at the same time? Yes. Yes. That's kind of yeah. yeah. what it is. So um, it, I, I've alluded to it, but. Just so everybody knows, like, no, no, no. You know, everybody doesn't need to know. Okay, this is what happens, Eric. This is like your third or fourth time hearing the story. Yes. Oh, at least you. No, right? he hears it He's, every day. I, I send him messages every day. Hey, you remember that one time? You remember that one time? Do you really? Yeah, every day. So, the, like, at Shopware wasn't the first time you had heard him tell that story. No, I don't remember where the first time was. Which I feel like that's a letdown. I had for I had completely forgotten about it. Right until you sent me a message. I well, that's, com- that's when I remembered it. Right? It, com- <laughs> it completely like... Messenger 
holds no secrets or yeah. holds all secrets yeah or something yeah i if you get a new phone it's just gone but if you use messenger it's there for life forever the internet is forever lucas and i have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems and now they've just launched a new referral program all you have to do is open your parts tech account go to my shop and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it, nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, Start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. There's a lot of people in this world that need to know the Internet's forever. The things on the Internet, they don't go away. You take pictures... that you TikTok dance is going to be there forever. Yeah. Yeah, you, you put that out there. They'll shut down TikTok so fast. Yeah, but that video is still there somewhere. Yeah. Just it'll it'll be on the, some side site. Yeah. yeah. No TikTok dances, David. We need to do some TikTok dances. Do we, even know, do we even know what a TikTok dance is? Like, is there a training class for that? There mm-hmm. is training classes for TikTok dances. I'm afraid. You know what we do is YouTube how to do a TikTok dance. And there are YouTube videos about TikTok dances. <laughs> oh, how cliche is that? You can't TikTok how to do the TikTok dance. Right, because that you would... You can't be- TikTok how to do the TikTok dance. I don't think you can get a full tutorial. But YouTube will show you how to do the TikTok dance. And then you can do the TikTok dance. I'll file that in my... Uh, is this the new merchant automotive marketing strategy? TikTok, TikTok dances? dances? Yeah. It hasn't started yet, but maybe check back in a bit. We'll see. Well, because I mean, like the forums are dead now. So forums are dead. We got some groups. We got are Facebook they dead? Groups. They died. So. Well, I I haven't been on them in a handful of years. So then they just moved to Facebook groups. I think, I think so. they turned into Facebook groups. Diesel Place, Diesel Place still has a little bit of activity, just a little bit, not much, not like it was. But I mean, there's still activity there. I haven't been there in quite a while. Yeah, I don't ever go. But I mean, like I think I was like member number 120 of that. Yeah. I, I believe you're right, somewhere in there. But I mean, like, um, it was Diesel Bombers, Cummins Forum, like all of them, right? There was a bunch of them. Yeah. Now you hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, those I, were the days, man. Back when you knew people by their screen name, yeah. or their forum handle, I guess it was called. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so did that move to, it moved to Facebook groups, but I think Facebook is really just older millennials and up. Um. So where do the where do the younger kids go to Discord? Discord ser- servers? I don't know. I mean, I I don't think we know where they're at. 
They're somewhere. They're not on congregating. No, no. I heard this. Younger. What's younger? Zoomers. uh, Like, like give me an age. 19, 20, 21, and younger. Well, uh, uh, what's the uh, my um? Well, you were about to say MySpace. I was. I was about to say MySpace. <laughs> What's the new ver- uh, Snapchat? I no. see my daughter on Snapchat. Yeah, I think that's like they're how on they, Snapchat, how but it's not. It's not the. Um, it's not where they're congregating as a group. Like they'll message back and forth on Snapchat. They'll use Snapchat like we use Messenger. Yeah. So they'll they'll yeah. send each other snaps, but it's not the same as as a Facebook group or a forum used to be back in the day. Hmm. So. You know, I think they're all on Discord. I'm going to say Discord. I'm putting my hat in Discord. I'm not even sure what Discord is. It's forums, but on a central website. Isn't that Reddit? It, yeah, they're a little bit on Reddit too. I think. Yeah, yeah there's all, but Reddit's kind of niche. It's it's not even niche. It's um. Well, there's like here. Here's the thing: is it all feels very odd because like what we're talking about was a a group of people in a very, very specific topic area, right? So Diesel Place was all Duramaxes, right? There was some 6.2 and 6.5 yeah, stuff in there. there's some older stuff in there, yeah. But, I mean, it was all Chevrolet pickups, right? And and in a lot of ways, it was stuff like that that built your brand. Oh, absolutely. You know? And so absolutely. same thing with Gus Farmer and Cummins Forum and, right, like all of those people, they, they would get into that group, and it was such a niche market that they could get in there and you could build a business around the people in that group. And I mean, they would build hype and the, the people in the group could build hype for you and you wouldn't well, even they do need that to call in the Facebook it. groups now. Yeah. But I mean, it, dude, it was super effective a, at the time. It's different. It's, a, it's now. a different kind of something now. I don't know how to describe it. Cause I, th- I think the only difference now is that there's more stuff pulling your attention. So could be. before it was like, Hey, I want to be part of this community. You got on there, and then it was, it was descending by time. Who posted, and you got to see everything. Where now Facebook is like, hey, there's 85 other things pulling your attention. This one thing that you're super super interested in, only if you're actively engaged, is the algorithm even going to push the thing in front of you? You may not even see. For example, the our Facebook group. If you're not actively engaged in that Facebook group, you're not going to see the Facebook group. Yeah. And you're like, oh, there's no activity on that Facebook group. It's like, dude, it's because you haven't commented or liked mm-hmm. any of those posts. You're not going to see any of them. Yep. And, and the, Facebook will squash that. You just don't get any movement, any yep. activity. And the forum stuff was more conversational based. So there'd be a thread and you could just keep going back to that thread as a conversational piece and get your notifications when somebody else commented. And it turned into some sort of discussion, yeah. searchable, that type of thing. And Facebook, those those threads, that, that format isn't really the same. No, it's not. You'll have, I mean, we all. As far as searching topics, as far as, Well, yeah, no. nobody wants to search. And then you just get repeat after repeat after repeat, which nature of the beast. Yeah. Like you said, if you're not active, you won't see any of that stuff. You'll have to. I don't know, make their algorithm, give it well, to you. You know, and and maybe, maybe the forums were kind of the same way too, though, right? Because, like, if if you go out and you search, let's say you search GM transfer cases, right? You're going to find information about merchant automotive, right? Eventually, you're mm-hmm. going to find that information. 
the thing was is that back in the day, only the diesel performance shops or the guys that were in the Duramax niche when you first started doing that knew about it, right? It wasn't general repair shops necessarily that were finding out about right, it. Right, right. Whereas now it's broader, right? You don't you end up with more people who have access to that, but they have to know exactly what they're searching for, yeah. right? Whereas like in those forums, they didn't have to know exactly what they were searching for because there was so much content related around one tiny subject that it was there. They could search within that forum. Right. And I think like some of the some of the Google type stuff will pick up forum. Yeah, threads, they will. But it doesn't it won't pick up any social media stuff. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> that's very true. There'd be a lot of information that might be out there on social media, but you can't find it in the in the Google world. Yeah, yeah. Like Facebook wants you to be part of Facebook and oh, yeah. searching within Facebook. So they keep that pretty gated. Where on a forum it's just a website. Right. Discord servers are the same way too. They're just it's very conversational. It's it's like a giant chat group. But they want to take your money from the inside. Yeah. yeah. And that, I don't know how Discord makes money. They got bought out by that. Amazon. I don't know how Did they, they make money. Yeah. Amazon owns them now. Amazon owns Discord. It used to be a group for gamers. Like that's where if everybody wanted to talk about a specific game and they were following a particular Twitch streamer. They would get on the Discord server and they would have this conversation back and forth, but then it kind of expanded out. So you'll see some YouTubers will say, hey, you can chat with me on the Discord server, yeah. and it becomes a giant group chat where you can uh, interact with absolutely anybody. Everybody that watches that YouTube channel and a YouTube content creator are all in there together just going back and forth. Oh, well, people probably love that. They can hang out with their uh, with their creator heroes. Yeah. Sure, huh. I don't know. I call but, them I mean, heroes, but well, <laughs> well, but I mean that that was the same thing in the forums, Influencers. right? Influencers, that, yeah, <laughs> that was the same thing in the forums, though, right? Is like they saw you doing everything you were doing. They saw all these other guys going to to truck pulls, right? They saw all of that, and they enjoyed that ability to communicate with somebody, right? It was it was the it was the way everybody knew people without knowing who they were. Yeah, before all that social media, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You feel like you grow. Or you feel like you learn somebody or know somebody or I don't know without really knowing who they are. Right. Yeah. We we get that though. It's a weird feeling. It's it's weird to because you guys have yourself out there all the time. Yeah. Like it seems weird for me to know weird things about you guys just by listening to a podcast. Yeah. Right. It's creepy if I was you. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> Like, I was excited to see the minivan. I just thought it was a full kill. <laughs> and then you jump in the minivan, and I thought, oh, my God, people are not. I was like, should I should I go live in here? What, I know, right? you, what, there was an OG minivan. There was an OG minivan. Was this, it an Aerostar? No. I would never. Look, as much crap as I talk on Fords, why on God's green earth would I buy a Ford? Never a Ford. It was a Windstar. Ah, uh, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Never afford. I'd I'd drive an Astro van before. Uh, Astro vans before, are uh, badass. You can get them in all wheel drive. They will go anywhere. You can't kill a four three. You can tear the reins out of them. I had a high. lady who killed a four three. She killed the crap out of it. She freaked out calling me. I ended up putting heads on that four three for her. Yeah, because again, I don't want to wrong anybody. And so, <laughs> I think you just wronged her, bro. <laughs> and I ended up putting heads on this fourth. Anyway, anyway, there was an OG van. It was a lady, little old lady who had this cherry 2000 town and country. 
with the pearl paint, leather, everything was limited. I mean, this one was loaded, loaded, loaded. limited. That means you got heated seats and you got the fold in the floor deal or is that pre? This was pre that. Okay. So this this is old school. You got the three eight with 160 horses. (laughs) It was peppy. (laughs) I don't think he knows what you work on. <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to a car brochure to do this. I'm saying that facetiously. This thing was a turd. It was terrible to drive, but it handled poorly. But oh man, you could like stack. I moved a I moved a, a dresser set from this lady's house. I just took the seats out, and then everything fit in the back of the van. And I drove down this. I love minivans are great. So anyway, like pickup. And uh, pick up, but you could also like not get rained on in the back. Okay. Yeah. So it was, that was my OG van. And so, yeah, I drove that until the uh, headliner started to come down on me. And then that was it. The AC kicked off, but I could fix the AC. I'm like, okay, it's whatever. When the headliner started coming down, the, the fix for it is to drop absolutely everything, rip it out. I don't know if it would have come out or they would have to pull the windshield to get the headliner out. And then fix it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm done. So you he scrapped. gives up over a headliner. <laughs> a headliner you, did me in, dude. You dumped the entire bitchin' van. Over a headliner. Over yeah, oh, yeah. fabric hanging down. There were little things. There were little things like that were breaking. Because it's an old van. And I'm stacking the miles on it. And I'm like. But the headliner was. The breaking point. point. Yeah. The, yeah. That that point there, my uh, my mom broke the door handles. Minutes. Old. It, old. You know, it was probably that the it was probably the headliner began to rub its chasing. head. And it started hitting my head. That's exactly what it was. Like I'd get in it and I'm like I'm like, nope, nope, done. Done. That weekend I found the white minivan I have now. So how long ago was this? Seventeen? No, no. Did, no, no. twenty. Right before COVID. I did think. you okay. did you Maybe hear the 19. story? I don't remember. Did you ever hear the story about the, the Kansas City win and the, the accident? Uh uh-uh. no, no, no. I've told the story. Okay. Why are you bringing up old stories? I'm not. I'm just. I'm, I'm not, I think he should. Go you know back what? And listen. I, I smashed into a lady because I was. I wasn't paying attention. Oh yeah, I did but, hear this one. I yeah, he was yelling that. at his so kids. Yeah, yelling at the kid in the back yeah. or something. And I was. T- I was lecturing. I wasn't yelling at him. Well, he didn't do anything wrong. He's a good kid. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the paint's not holding up on the on the front end. It's not. Is it no. because it's chipping little, off or yeah, like, stuck to another car? The <laughs> <laughs> little chips on the paint. The paint was was soft. They didn't do a good job. And I went back to the to the Dodge dealership. Like I took it down to the local Dodge dealership because I'm like, hey, Dodge dealership, I want you to fix it. Because you're a Dodge dealership, I want my stuff all dodged up. And uh and yeah, they did a terrible job. So Amish Patel, uh Midwest uh auto body, I think it was him telling me. And, and I may have brought this up at some point, but like all of the plastic body components, like you buy them from a, if you buy them from one of these cheap providers, uh-huh. they've, they've got a coating on the plastic. And so they will come in and they'll take these markers and they'll like write something on it. Like it's a PO number this, or it's this part number. And they're like, well, it's going to be painted anyway. And they've got to prep it and they've got to wipe all that off. Right. And I, I, it may not have been Amish, but somebody was telling me that if, if they do that, like you can't paint it, you have to send the bumper back. Everybody's like, why? You're taking a, a prep and you're cleaning it and it's getting all that stuff off there. And he starts like flipping through his phone. He's like, the problem is, is that if you put that bumper on the car, you paint it, you clear it, you do all this work, 
the first time they go through the car wash, there's going to be a black spot where they wrote whatever on that body part mm. because it's going to wash off because the paint doesn't truly adhere to that area. So they'll go through the car wash and they'll come out and they'll have something written on the front of their car and the paint in that one spot's completely gone. That doesn't make any sense. It's something so about it's a certain away. kind of bumper. It's a certain kind of plastic that it takes that chemical from a grease pan and it sucks it down into yeah. it and the paint won't adhere anymore. Sounds shouldn't buy cheap body parts. Is it that it's cheap body parts? It's, it's like certified stuff? Mm-hmm. Made out of old milk jugs. That's it. <laughs> Old milk jugs. That's so what they're making out of old milk jugs. <laughs> it's recyclable. <laughs> You're saving the environment. One, one grease pencil at a That's time. That's exactly right. You know, I bought a bumper from from Certifit to to fix for this lady. It was it was a, supposed to be a a black a black bumper. That's what I ordered. I ordered a black bumper. It had the same OE part number. I put it in there. Certifit was like ninety bucks. I'm like, okay. I'm going to slap this wrong. bumper on the back of this lady. If, if the the factory bumper is a paint, it's just black, plain plastic. It shows up, and it's like weird gray. And I call them up. I'm like, hey, this was supposed to be a black bumper. And they're like, you get it how you get it. Paint it if you don't like the color. I'm painting this. I'm not a body shop. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. It's still sitting in the back of my shop. What would you do? It's still sitting there. Well, I know, but I mean, did you get a different bumper? Did well, you? I had. We had to call the dealer, and this was like mid-COVID. So we called them up, and we're like, "Hey, how long to get these bumpers?" They're like, "Oh, there's no date on the back order." I'm like, "Okay." And Honda, when they say, when the Honda says there's no date, there's no date. You get it when you get it. Might be a couple of years. So and by then, you forgot you ordered it. Yeah. So you sell a bunch of like OE parts, right? Like, and and I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I think it's LB7 fuel lines. I can't get LB7 fuel lines from the dealer, right? They don't have them. So I will hook you up. What I is have, an LB7? It's the first generation of Duramax that if you. What years? Up, like, 2001 to early four. Yeah, that's that's way obsolete. The dealer's no. like, oh no, no, no. no, no I get, I get that people, I, I get that people still drive them, but I'm saying in the dealer world, yeah, it's outside of the obs- realm of things are obsoleting quicker and quicker. Oh yeah, I, Ford was the worst. The Ford, like five years in, they're done. They're yeah. done five years. So you're like, hey, this is an 18, and they're like, yeah, we don't have that discontinued. What and it's stuff that the about? aftermarket's not going to support or hasn't like body control module or yeah something it's not a a brake liner or i don't know just something dumb that anybody can pick up yeah we've noticed that with with the gm side and 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 high high i mean i don't know if they're high failure rate or if they all of a sudden seem like they are because they're on they're on galactic I, back order, yeah. well yeah they're, or they're just discontinued there's there's some of that stuff that it's it may to, be high failure rate but it, it's like it it fails at two hundred thousand miles. It fails long after um, a reasonable service. Yeah, right, yeah. But they all talking, fail, right? Yeah. We're talking, you know, almost twenty years for an LLY. Yeah, uh, Fickham. Yep. Those things are starting to drop, and here, yeah, we're we're what? Yeah, 19, and you, nineteen years later, and the aftermarket doesn't support it, and you're relying on some of the uh, electronics repair. Module to fix it, yeah, people. because I mean, you can't get them, and and mm. like they're still super valuable trucks, right? But, like you can't really just turn your back on it and get rid of it. No, I mean, and it's a it's a one and a half year part. 
If it's yeah. a one and a half model year, I don't know how many were actually built, but there's a ton of them trucks out there. And without it, what it, do you do with it? It's nothing. It's no. nothing, right? And and so, like, how do you, like, because you've got a lot of stuff, right? Like, you've got anything you could want for a Duramax. How do you, like, how has this all affected you? Some of the, like, the electronic side, uh, it's just a matter of if if they're fixable, who can fix them? How well can they be fixed? Are they reliable fix? And some of the stuff, I, I'm still scratching my head on some of them. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's a demand for it. Um, I've never been a electronics person as far as understanding a lot of the circuit board and things like that. Right. The, the um, EEPROM side of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the makeup of it. I mean, it, we've done a bunch of, you know, crack solder joints on various modules or, or cluster issues on all the GM trucks. So three to seven. Yeah. Where they all just, just broken solder joints. We'll reflow boards all the time. Do some do some stepper motor repairs, things like that. But if it's into something deeper than that, that's you know, there's there's shops that do that. There's yeah. there's module shops, and I I know it's been talked about in the past of of shops that are getting into that module repair. Um, I think some of the problem though is though some of those the the companies that make a living off of that have a system or a process. They're not. They're not pulling a, a like a Lewis Rossman, like yeah. where the guys looking up the schematics and saying, "Okay, if I don't have a half a volt here, that means if I need to scroll up here and this particular whatever diode has failed or this capacitor is blown up because I don't have you know two and a half volts here." He, they're they're not breaking it down to that level. They're going through what's the most common failure on these things. So they're checking the for for uh, crack solders. Mm-hmm. They're looking for something that's obviously broken, yeah. or this chip always always fails. These three capacities blow up. They're just replacing that and then throwing it on the shelf, and then somebody buys it. They're not looking as in depth on the circuit board as you sometimes would need them to. And a lot of that, you probably wouldn't be able to find that schematic. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where they get it. And them. the OEs aren't releasing it, no, even I, though they don't support it any longer. I don't even know that they have it I, because they buy a lot of this stuff. Like it's, it's Yeah, but if, they, if they're buying the, the module from Bosch, Bosch, you would think, would have the information on it, the engineering schematic behind the circuit board. You would think they would want to release it or say, hey, there's still demand for this. You guys are refusing to make it. Whatever, fine. Put it up there for public domain. Like, let anybody get on there, and that way you can then now order the circuit board to build your own do, modules. Do you think there's an advantage to them though by saying like, "Hey, we're not going to release that"? Because uh, you know that's the thing is like we see a lot of the older trucks, right? Me and you work on some older stuff like that, yep. and so the thing is, is those trucks will run forever if you maintain them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, unless it's like a broke crank or something, and, and at that well, even point, still, that's all fixable. To, up, yeah. up by us, we just get into the the salt belt. Yeah, you know, the, the rest of the truck falls apart around everything else that still runs good. Right, and but I mean, even then, if they maintain it and they uh, they put crown on it or whatever, and they wash it and they take care of it, for the most part, you still got a pretty decent truck. I, is that a that's almost a problem for the manufacturer at some point because now here we are we've we've got this this truck and they're not buying another one because that one still runs just fine or they don't want to spend that kind of money 
Yeah. A, a new a new GM. Um the twenty fours they just released the Denali Ultimate, you build it all up, it's a it's a hundred plus. Yeah. And, yeah, and Fords okay. have been over a hundred for a long time. Like yeah, most of the trucks are over a hundred um, for a while. But they just they just I mean, I guess everything's going up, but that's a big pill to swallow. And if a guy's Man. got a good runner truck, twenty years old, and I don't know how many people we see come in or we talk to, this will be the last truck I ever buy. Yeah. And I don't know how well that holds true long term. I wish I wrote all them people down and like call them twenty years later <laughs> and said like, hey. that truck." <laughs> well, I, you know, and and I remember, and and I may have said this before, but I remember uh, um, when we were doing performance work, it seemed like every single week there was a sixteen to nineteen year old boy who'd gone out and bought a truck that was seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars mm-hmm. and financed it for like twenty years, right? Nineteen percent interest, twenty percent interest, twenty five percent interest, just to get this truck. And then they go and they spend, you know, $10,000 on it. They tear it all to pieces. I'm like, dude, you're going to be paying for that for the rest of your life at this point. You know, like, that's crazy. And it's if that's what they want to do, hey, who are we to say no to, or whatever? But that is a, that's a huge investment at that age. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can see. I remember being at that age and, well, I want something cool or, you know, something. But, yeah. And I couldn't imagine swinging that kind of overhead. No matter how much hustle they have in them, you know, it's just, that's a lot. That's, it is. That's thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars $1,400 payments. Just yeah, for, Just for the truck, not counting the insurance on a, on a 17, 18, 19 year old. Yeah. And, and like, what are you going to do with that that makes money? Like, it's not going to make money. You're going to take pictures of it and put it on social media. You put some Instagram handle sticker on it. <laughs> that's right. And I think down there by you guys, they just drop the ass end down. That's it. So you can, all you can see is the right. stars. Right, that's what you're really shooting for. Didn't they make that illegal? The they Carolina did. But squat? They're still doing it. Really? Like, and and What's they're the supposed appeal? to pull them over and write them a ticket and everything. I don't know. It's it's the fa- it's a I think it's just a fad. I it, don't. I, I think I don't know what else to attribute it to that or they're you know after all that work putting the lift kit on the front they're like man these lift blocks are gonna suck ass. <laughs> I am plum that's how, out. That's how it started. After doing all this fan work. I'll get to the rest later. Yep. Never get to it. Yep. Well, the uh, tires fit. They ain't rubbing. Screw it. Um, how, how did you go from general repair? Because that's kind of how you started, wasn't it? How did you get into this whole performance thing? Like you, It, it the, blew up. How did that happen? The performance, the performance thing also tended to, I think, was a fad looking backwards. Yeah. So so early on, there just wasn't that many people doing them. Yeah. Because, you know, the Duramax comes out and everybody, I mean, the Cummins was well-established, the Power Strokes were well-established, and, and the Duramax was, you know, that was common rail. That just yeah. that was a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. And as all that stuff became, um, I don't say available, but it just, it was, it made it so much easier. Yeah. To, to drop a laptop in the seat and you could download a hundred whatever horsepower. Yeah. Um, before that, it was all the, you know, inline boxes and just, just plug and play stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then that leads to, well, now you need a transmission to hold it. Yeah. Uh, which was no different than any other platform. But so real early on, we got into the Allison game. Um doing installs and rebuilds and things like that. And again, that for probably a year, um, this would have been 03 maybe, 
I spent most of my weekends doing that. And I had an arrangement with a local hotel and I would do two a weekend for the longest time. Holy cow. Seriously. And I had literally people from uh, east of the Mississippi. It it was not uncommon to have people drive up. That's insane. Oklahoma. um, We've had some people out of Florida that I've gotten to meet, some East Coast people, and they would, you know, it turned into an event. So it was, I need my transmission bill. I want to go somewhere. And there just wasn't that many people doing it. Right. Maybe six or eight around the country at that time that were were internet known, I guess you could say. I, I, what? Um, let's see. Inglewood, Suncoast. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? McRat was building some transmissions, wasn't he? McRat was up there. Uh, Big Dipper, they you know, screen yeah. name up in the up in the northeast. Um, hmm. There was probably some others that the name. Uh, right. I mean, there wasn't a lot, mm-hmm. right? But like, how did your because your name kind of like went out in front of everybody else's all of a sudden. You think it was the Orange A or what? I mean, it was like, the, what was the- it? Was the forums? Yeah. Uh, at that time, it was the forums. That's just I was I was active on them, and it's 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 funny you hear all the the stuff here at Vision. They talk about marketing and it's consistency. Well, I was consistently on the forums. So your name yeah. was always out there, and it was a way different type of marketing than what we do nowadays. But and it wasn't even intentional at the time. It was, yeah. I'm an enthusiast. I see these other enthusiasts and they have questions and I'm like, no, oh, I can help you with that. Um, or sometimes I was learning, like, or could have been just general conversation. It didn't even have to be truck related. You start to build that weird, you know, internet friendship Yeah. before that sounded like a weird thing to say. But um, it was just, it was just being active. And there yeah. wasn't a whole lot of other people doing it. Doing it. So, yeah, I guess that was all it was. That's Maybe insane. there's more to it. I don't know. There might be a hundred things I'm not thinking of. Right. Right. But the the magazine, uh, the the actual print magazines that we just don't see nowadays. Yeah. Just through the forums, you get you get to be able to connect with some of those people, and if they wanted to do an article or or some type of editorial content, if you know if you could if you could get in front of that where somebody's doing editorial content, shooting an article on some type of repair or some type of product that you're releasing, that was a lot of pretty inexpensive press, and a lot of it just came from the mingling side of things. Yeah, um, you know, you typically magazines at that time. They'll look through their, whoever's got an ad in the back of the magazine or spending money and then reach out to them when they want to do that editorial content. But so I was fortunate enough to get into some of that. And at the, at the time, it probably didn't make good sense because when you're doing all that, you're donating everything. Yeah. You're, you're supplying material, you're supplying labor, you're doing everything. And but those were not profitable sessions at all. Right. But big picture. You it know, worked out, didn't it? Well, you it? can't take that away. Right. Like, you get a couple pages of editorial in a magazine. That's, again, over and over. Um, it, it just helps. And those I still have all that stuff hanging on the wall in the showroom. That's crazy. Well, so like, you know, now we look back, right? And, and I've always looked up to you as a diesel shop. You know what I'm saying? And so here we are. We look back. Um, and you reached out a while back and said like, hey, I want to be more involved. I want to learn more about the business side of this. And I, man, I was blown away. 
what hey. what like what created that need for more more knowledge on the the service side? I didn't know what I didn't know with service, and I am the cliche technician turned owner, yeah, person, and all the things that everybody says why a tech doesn't make a good owner. I I literally modeled myself after that checklist that I didn't realize existed. (laughs) I fit it to a T. Everything. Owner should be on the service counter. I'm like, yep, yep, I do all that stuff they're talking about. Yep. Right. Uh And I just, the service was definitely where I started. And over the years, it it grew into e-commerce and and into manufacturing and that type of thing. And Mm -hmm. that seemed to take over a lot of the focus and for a handful of years, we actually shut the drive-in service down. And what I realized is I wasn't, I didn't have any idea on these newer trucks. Like, like yeah. I literally wasn't sure where to check the oil. Right. I, right. Had to, I had to look for the oil for the dipstick and I just like, okay. And I don't like being that disconnected from something that I was always, you know, intimately involved passion, in or passionate you love, about. Yeah. Um, and it was nothing to go just tear something down for the sake of learning about it. And I haven't done that in, in quite a while um, because I, I, I am, I, okay, I feel like I'm being pulled in a bunch of different directions. But what I also am very slow to learn, I'm the problem. I'm yeah. in my own way. I'm the, I, I'm the bottleneck in the decision processes. I feel like I want a micromanager be involved I don't really want to, but I, I want to be confident in letting go of that Yeah, to do the things that I should be doing, which certainly is not sitting at a computer or trying to do repair, or I'm sorry, trying to do website improvements or yeah. learning a new ERP system software that we use. I, that... I did it out of because I thought that's what I needed to do. Yeah. Yep. And now I'm so wrapped up in non essential things that somebody else could definitely do. It's going to, f- I need to figure out how to get out of that hole. Well, you know, I, I remember a conversation that Rick and I had one time. And I was, I was like, you know, it's lunchtime one day and I'm mowing the grass, right? And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm mowing the yard. He's like, you've got so many other really important things you could do. Why wouldn't you just pay somebody 60 or 100 bucks to do that? Well, go 60 or 100 bucks is a lot of money. He's like, yeah, but you're, what you're taking away from your business is probably three to $4,000 from you not being doing this, mm-hmm. right? And you're looking at it like it's this huge deal that you're the one that does this. Wouldn't it make more sense just to pay somebody? I mean, it's like me and you talking about the bookkeeping thing. Right, like, why would you not just pay somebody a couple hundred bucks a month when you could be over here managing the business and and watching the numbers and making sure the the processes and policies are doing what the business is supposed to do, being the leader? You know, I mean, how do you make that decision, David? Like, when, like, you know, he's got task. You know how Larry Bird, uh, how Larry Bird hurt his back? I wasn't playing basketball. I'm sure you're going to say he was mowing his mom's lawn. That sucks. Yeah. He he was mowing his lung, hit something, whatever, tweaked his back, and he was never the same again. What's the moral of the story? Don't mow your lawn. Hire somebody. <laughs> well, but I mean, like, 
That's what you were just talking about. I don't feel like I want to pay somebody to do that. And I think part of that, to use to use this example, I don't want to go, A, find somebody, because I don't like to call. I don't want to call and find somebody. But I don't want to go through this negotiation process of what it's going to cost to mow the yard. And then if I did all that, I'm not going to like the way they mowed it because I like to be a perfectionist even though I'm not. By You're right. I, I want yeah, you got to let all that way. go. Oh, I, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. So, like, totally. I don't call. I don't call, right? I get some online inquiry or whatever. I, but I have a number in my head. As long as it doesn't blow that number out of the water. So, I'm like, it should cost, I don't know, 50 bucks to do this the lawn. <laughs> and they come in and they're like, 52? Done. Go. I'm not negotiating jack. Well, that and that would be it, too. Like, I, I wouldn't even have a number in my head because I have no idea what it would cost because I've been too cheap to figure it out. Yeah. Or too lazy to want to mess with it. If somebody says, hey, I'll take care of it. It's X dollars. Oh, well, yeah, do it. Have you read the four-hour work week? Uh, I don't believe I've read that one. You might want to check that one out. Now, it doesn't apply one-to-one, but the guy goes through his story of figuring out how to unload absolutely everything from his life and business to somebody else. So he could focus on doing whatever the hell he wanted to do. And like he'll he'll he talks about how hey I wanted to learn how to how to dance the tango. And where do you learn how to dance the tango? He goes found out that there was a fantastic school and instructor in Argentina. So I needed to move to Argentina. Well, how do I get up and move to Argentina just on a whim? Uh, I figured it out. And he tells the whole story of how he figured out he was going to go live for 6 months in Argentina so he could learn how to tango. That's what he did. He just up and did it. Well, how do you unload this aspect of the business and who's going to watch this and who's going to take care of that? And who, Every aspect of his life was unloaded to somebody somehow, somewhere, some way. And he also figured out how to leverage whatever spending he did have to do into free stuff so he could. For example, our discussion with Brandon uh, Dills this morning, he's telling me, oh, yeah, they ran my debit card, my business debit card. Said, well, why do you have a business debit card? He's like, I don't know. I probably should have a business credit card. Well, yeah, you should have a business credit card because uh, Lucas over here at 200,000 points hits premium, elite, super platinum, ultra, mega um, status on his American Airlines points. And at that point, he's got access to the ambassador club and he gets lots of free luggage so he doesn't have to check everything or pay and he'll save how much was it? Eighteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah, right at eighteen thousand. He'll year. spend. Yeah. He'll save eighteen thousand dollars a year on luggage costs if he hits this level. Well, how does he hit that level? He's not going to fly that much. No, he spends it on the credit card on parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we spend that on parts. Two hundred thousand dollars on parts in what? Maybe eight, nine months. Two hundred thousand's gone. We have to spend the money anyway. So let's leverage on what we spent anyway. That's what he does. Through the whole book. It's an interesting read. And it does expand your thinking on, do I really need to take care of this? No, probably there's a cheaper, faster, easier way well, to make this and, process more efficient. And, My, you know, so Demony yesterday, we interviewed a friend of mine, Demony. And and I, I think back about her situation, right? Like she, there was a time when she couldn't work in the business. And I don't think we ever think about that. Like we, we look at... I'm going to be here. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be the one. 
things can happen. Then one day you're not. That we can't. Yeah. And now the business is not sustainable. There's no succession plan. There's nothing that makes this business work. So as opposed to being a benefit to our family, right? Last night we talked about generational wealth, right? The purpose of business, generational wealth. Well, like if, if I leave them a burden instead of a benefit, you know what I mean? Like if my wife has to take over and all of a sudden she is burdened by trying to run the business, mm-hmm. what was the freaking point of this? Right? Mm-hmm. Why would I have done that? And I think we get so stuck in our heads, like I'm going to be here, I'm going to do this, and we're we're we're, you know, we're so zoomed in, we're like looking at the day to day operation and the thing that we've got to do in the business. We're not thinking about the long term consequence of not building a system and a team that does it for us. You know, that goes back to that letting go, to to the book that that David brought up. I've <clears throat> sorry, I'll have to edit that out. I have read. And been through a lot of different things that all have that basis of delegate, let it go, let somebody yeah. else do it, you know, uh, hold accountable. And it, what it does is it comes back to me not allowing myself to do that. And I've done it for longer than I realize. And that's probably my biggest hurdle. I know, and I know that about me now. I've learned that. I don't, I'm still learning how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Or to not have to be the one that's involved in it. Um, and there's a lot of times I don't want to decide. I don't want to make that decision. Yeah. But I also feel like I have input. And I and I need to at least get my input heard yeah. because of a mistake that I might have made making this situational decision in that same scenario. Well, because of how I am, I think my my staff is leery like if i give input they might take that as 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 i'm wanting them to make a decision that way and and my wife is very clear in telling me that that i am the problem and i'm <laughs> i'm not only is she clear she's very clear right and, extremely clear and i and i'm very slow to learn that lesson that it's yeah i'm in the way like yeah. and and it's not just Owner shouldn't be on the service counter. Get the hell out of the way. Let somebody yeah. else do it. And I and I just I have to learn to let go of that stuff and be okay with it. somebody else tried. Maybe maybe something didn't go as planned, but at least they tried. And right, boy, that's a for me that's a tough thing. It, it's been really tough for me too because like I we talked about this yesterday. And, well, let's and, let's try to figure out why though. Let's try to figure out why it's tough. For for me, in my mind, it's because there is no system or process in place to unload. I'm just winging it. Mm-hmm. I get in there. I know what I know. I know what I need to do, and I just I just do it. I'm not even thinking about it. I just do it. I get it done. Now you're wanting me to just hand it over to somebody else. That person's not me, right? They they don't know what I know, and they haven't had the experiences that I've had. Now, they might come at it at a different angle, and it's not the way I would do it, and that feels uncomfortable. But what if I had a process, a, a system in place? This is the way we do it. We do it. We, you know, this is how we build an estimate. This is the, the way we would deal with these particular situations in the estimating process. And then just lead them to do the job that you taught them to do. All of a sudden, it's not as uncomfortable because 
you essentially taught them your process because you were able to articulate it. And that probably is also a struggle point. Me articulating it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've 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 spent as a company, we've spent probably a couple of years ago now, I, f- I found EOS. And I know some of the people out there probably have heard of it, some of it haven't, but the concept of EOS for me was what I thought was the like the best thing ever. Like like it described me to a T. I I portray myself as a visionary in that world and, you know, big picture thinking and industry relationships and and always looking to the future. But I found myself situationally, and maybe not situationally, maybe this is an excuse too, trying to take on other roles and not just grasping where where I should be. And we went through all that stuff, the 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 accountability side of things and scorecards and putting processes in place and systems. And ultimately I feel that system didn't fail. I think I failed that system and probably prevented the whole company from being able to fully embrace it. But knowing the concepts are, are pretty generic. It's not like, it's it's it, it, it's not like it's doing anything that's unique to EOS or only EOS talks about it. I mean, yeah. listening to Cecil in class or listening to, you know, all these things, those concepts have been around forever. It just simplifies it, I think, and makes it, you sure. know, one, two, three English. But um, the systematic side and then sticking with those systems. Yeah. Um, were you finding that you were stepping outside of the system or trying to – how did you undermine it? I was in the way, not but, – But how? So um, if you if you set the system that, hey, we answer the phone on the third ring in this manner, were you waiting until the fourth ring and then just picking it up in a different manner? No. I don't, and honestly, we didn't get that granular with it as far as the issues. Um, not getting out of the way. Is where is where I struggled. Just and I and I've had some situations um, over the last handful of years where we went into something as a as a project, and I tried to stay out of the way, and things didn't go how I had hoped. That were yeah. considerable expense, considerable downtime, and in my head, I'm thinking, oh, if I'd have just done it myself. Yeah, I could have. I could so have prevented you, all this. You you reaffirmed the belief that I, I have to be there. I have to do this in my in my head. Yes, and you know the the thing is is that if if you if you see a failure like that, right, and you don't back up and understand, right, because we can't always be the solution, right. Right. If we place place ourselves as the solution every single time, what's going to happen? We're eventually going to be to the point that that we're overloaded, that we're not happy with what we're doing, we're not we're not growing to our potential uh-huh. because we're the bottleneck because everything has to go through us, and that is that is to a T, and that's it's not good for anybody. No, you know it's not good for anybody. It's not good. To have to be funneling through you because now you're you're the bottleneck. You're preventing everybody else on the team from 
wanting to make a decision because they're scared it might be the wrong decision. Yeah, and you can um, build resentment and you can damage the oh, business culture. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, I I think anybody in that position doesn't want to have to be the one to make the decision. Yeah. You just No, they do and they don't. Well, you don't want to you don't want it to be overburdening. Like, like yeah. it just feels overburdening, but yet I'm I made that situation the way it was. Yeah. Um I'm not even sure how we went down this road. This is deep. It is. It is. But you must not listen to the podcast here. This I is do. what we do. I do. I, I, I know you do. Food, I, I know. don't know if they'll knock or not, but I do. I <laughs> He's got us figured out. Well, so let, you, you sit through Cecil's class yesterday, mm-hmm. right? And and so for me personally, one of the things that, that the problem was is I was trying to run and trying to control everything. And and I've said this before, I would give myself an excuse because I didn't really know how it was supposed to be done. So I give myself an excuse for said mistake, right? And I was unwilling to give that excuse to anybody else, but I didn't really know how it was supposed to be done. So if it didn't turn out the way that I thought it was supposed to turn out, it was just, well, mm, it is what it is, where I didn't look at them that way, right? I didn't look at them in a way I could give them grace for the mistake. So you sat in Cecil's class yesterday. And you got some information, right? And and you you listened to what he had to say. Did you find weak spots in your knowledge of the service side that might give you the tools you need to go and put that in place for them and say, this is the way it's supposed to work? Do you feel like it was something like that where you didn't have that granular knowledge of a specific process or system? Or do you feel like it was the need for control? Yes. 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 <laughs> so... One of the things that I will, I mean, a hundred percent admit, and this comes back to owner. I'm sorry, tech turned owner, and never figuring it out outside of what I thought it was supposed to be. So yeah. it's been a minute, eighteen years, and right. you fix the car, you take care of the guy, you 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 know, it, it, with the diesel side. And I'm not saying that diesel is different than gas. It's, I mean, it's still essentially the same process, but it always the, the tickets are a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger relationship. Yeah, you know, twenty twenty tickets a month versus you know some shops are three hundred. I, I I guess yeah. I, again, I couldn't even imagine trying to keep all that organized. But the process, what I thought was. You know, you diagnose it, you make sure it's right. And if you didn't really know what was wrong with it, and I, boy, I'm going to, I'm learning my lesson on this. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spend an extra hour or two for my own education on this and not charge the guy mm-hmm. because I want to figure out what's wrong with it for next time. Well, that just turns into every time. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, and next learn. time never comes. Well, next time never comes because it's something new. Yeah. And yeah, we need to all learn and we all need to be educated, but, um, Boy, I I don't know how much money I haven't collected because of doing that. Yeah, and it's probably good that I don't. And even the labor rates, I, I've the last three months have been very eye opening. Um, and it all started. One of my guys in the back was <clears throat> he was he picked up on the podcast and he told me about it. And I listened to a few, and I that's how I yeah. came to reach out to you, Lucas, and. 
And it was just so weird. And then I start going in this group and then, you know, you start hearing these names that uh, I've never, I don't know who these people are. I just, it, it was all new to me. And like, who's, who's Scanner Danner? Right. I had no yeah. idea who he was. I mean, I, the only YouTube mechanic I knew was, was Scotty Kilmer. And, <laughs> and, and every time I watched him, I, Oh, wait, was was the guy that talks about Toyotas? We can't say names, can we? <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> um, but I never, I never really knew how to be profitable in service. I still don't, but I've learned a lot more about it now. Just going through some of that stuff. Charge your time. Make sure your labor rate's right. Well, I, you know, I, I I said this to Paul a while back, and and you know, Paul Paul posted some stuff about it. And he called a bunch of flack. And, and you know, one of the things that I, I said to Paul was, is like, you're elite, right? You you were an elite operation, right? You have the ability to do things nobody else in the country has the ability to do. Same with you. You know a Duramax like nobody else in the country. You have abilities that nobody else has. That's worth something, right? But But I see you guys out here and you're not charging what you're worth and you're not charging the hours that you need to find the problem. And if you can't find it, I know it's an advanced problem. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I think that so many people took what Paul said and they they said, wait a minute, you're charging me for R&D. You're charging me for learning about the car. We're not talking about a base-level diagnostician. We're talking about someone who is truly elite at their trade. They are, you know, think of it like this. You go to the doctor's office. You go to your general physician. Mm-hmm. What is your general physician? Well, you know, maybe they're 250 bucks an hour. Maybe they're whatever it is. But you know that that bill is going up when they say, hey, I need you to go see a specialist. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know that just got expensive. And insurance may pay for it. But you know it's not the same thing. And so you guys are out here providing knowledge and support in a way that nobody else can do it. But you're not getting paid for it. No. And, and so, like, I just, man, I... I, I, for the longest time, the old 12 valves and the 24 valve trucks, that's what I was. And I would solve problems and I would deal with issues and I would find electrical issues that nobody else could find. And I taught myself to find those and I'd spend all this time and energy doing it. But it never did anything for me. It didn't pay my family's bills. I was subsidizing what it would cost to truly own that truck. Right. And now, now I think it's changed, right? Because you're, you're talking about these trucks are 94000 to $124,000. Now when I fix that truck, guess what? We're talking about a different deal. We're talking about a much bigger investment. $5,000 is not that big of a deal. $10,000. Now they might say it is, and we all don't I mean nobody wants to have to drop $10,000 on something. But we we sat at dinner last night. We went to dinner with Cecil mm-hmm. and Nate and and uh, Kent, David and I, you. And and I could see when Cecil started rattling off what the numbers should be. I could see in your and Nate's face both, like, ooh. <laughs> when it, it goes, it's 100%. And Nate and I are, are, are in very similar businesses. Um, and, it, and it's, boy, we are not even close to, I don't want to say where we should be because that's all subjective, but where we need to be to be profitable. And now, yeah. the, a difference, and and maybe it could be looked at an excuse. Services is maybe ten percent of of my sales, maybe twelve percent at best overall. Yeah. But I still think that the service has got the 
most potential to be the highest profit in yeah. the company. Yep. Because with everything else, we, we do e-commerce. In e-commerce, we're competing with the internet, yeah. the Amazons, the Ebays, the other websites. Um, we manufacture. Manufacturing, you're always going to have knockoffs or some, somebody else has got it. And then, you know, we're all trying to sell the same tennis ball. What brand yeah. is the best? Well, yeah. And you can do, you know, branding, marketing, and 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 sell your value, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, nobody's ever going to be able to knock off or reproduce or duplicate the 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 technical ability, yeah, of what exactly. people will get coming in the door. And because it hasn't been a huge percentage of the business, it frankly hasn't got a huge amount of attention to be focused on making it that way. I mean, obviously, yeah. I've. I'm the type that's always prided myself on fixing something that somebody else couldn't. And I've yeah. heard that come up before and other people saying, knowing when to just turn the job down. Yeah. And I'm thinking historically we've been the place that those jobs came to when somebody else turned it yeah. down or didn't fix it. Right. And now, frankly, my ego gets in the way because if it comes in the door, I want to know, I want to know we fixed it. Right. Well, that ego gets in the way, and most, I'd say 98% of the time, we, we can fix that issue. Uh, sometimes it's an eventually thing, but I we lost our rear end on every single one of them because yeah. now I'm learning that ego got in the way. So, yeah, we fixed it, but I didn't, they didn't put, you know, food on the table. You know, the, the two things that come to mind is, is uh, Tim Kite says, you know, he defines ego, and he said there's two different – types of ego there's a strong ego and a big ego and he said a big ego is about you the strong ego is about everybody else and helping other people right and so one of the things that i think about is is as you say that i'll, I'll use something you relate you'll relate to anybody who's ever done a set of injectors in the lb7 duramax knows that every single bolt in that top cover is going to strip out when you go to take it out there's no <laughs> way around it you're going to put a set of bolts in it you might spend some time getting them out, but once you get get it down, it's a pretty easy job. It's not a big deal. But eventually in your career, you will put a set of injectors in a truck, in an LB7, and you will fire that bad boy up, and you will have not known about pressure testing the return lines. You'll fire that bad boy up, and it will fill the crankcase full of fuel. Mm -hmm. And you can have done the best job that you could possibly have tried to do. You could do all of the research in the world. You could do everything right. But it still costs you 13 hours to fix it and make it right. Now, at that point, whose fault is it? It's it's our fault. There's no way around it. It is our fault. That is our responsibility to fix and make it right. Even if it was there before. You misdiagnosed it or you created right. an issue or missed an issue. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And so now here we are. We've got this truck and we're in a situation where we've got to fix it. Well, these guys out here saying... Well, gosh, 13 hours is a lot of time on that job. I can actually get it done in seven. But what about the one time something goes wrong, mm -hmm. right? Because you 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 shot yourself in the foot. Well, I probably shouldn't be charging that much an hour. Well, I'm charging that much an hour, so if it does go wrong, like I'm not, I'm not going in the red to fix the truck and get the truck back on the road. That's why I was asking. I don't understand how you guys are going off of book time. Oh. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't make any sense. So we had, it was a Duramax. I called you. Maybe it was a water pump. 
And I called him mm-hmm. and I said, Hey, I got this Duramax in here. Like, what am I looking at on this? And I did the same thing on a power stroke, uh, yep. needed, Six needed seven. heads. And he goes, uh, you, you should be around 16,000. At that point, the conversation moves away from, well, it's, you got to charge about 16 hours book time. And then he just went through like, Hey, you got to replace the oil cooler. You, you need this tool, but I, I can hook you up with the tool. But you're gonna need this tool, right. <laughs> and and you're gonna need this, that, the other, and this other thing. Once you get the the knowledge that this is what it's going to look like to do this repair properly, the all it all that factors in then is the the cost. And you see what I'm saying? Like yep. it's now the price to do this repair. Is sixteen thousand dollars. That's well, and, it. And and you know, we regardless saw, of whether it takes ten hours or five or twenty, we now know the process that encompasses eighty percent of the repairs. It, it, it's like it's Steve Roberts does a bunch of six O work, and and one of the things that he's brought up and talked about before is is like if I'm going in there, what am I going to do? I'm going to put rockers in the motor, right? Six O six four, either one. If you if you go in, you're putting rockers in it. If the rockers are worn, you're putting lifters in it. You might as well go ahead and put lifters in it anyway because they'll lose needle bearings in the rollers. Hmm. By the time you get the head surfaced or checked, there's a chance that one of them is going to be cracked, and you could have a cup that leaks, so you need heads. By the time it's said and done, you're looking at a big job, and what does the client do? The client comes in and says, well, such and such down the road will do it for $3,500. No, I don't think you understand. They're not doing the job I'm doing for $3,500. You can't do that. They can't do it for five thousand, and it, it's just like the, the they can do it for five thousand. It's just like a last, right? And the irony in that is sitting here today. I know we don't charge appropriately, but so so we're not charging enough. And it's funny because how many times we'll get vehicles in, or we have a, we don't lose a ton of jobs from from a dollar standpoint historically, but. They got it done cheaper somewhere else, and I'm already too cheap. Yeah, Be- and I'm just like, why? Why are we undervaluing ourselves? And especially when you when you do, you look at the numbers. If I if I break out service department numbers, it it flat doesn't sustain itself. Yeah, it will not survive. And I'm not even accounting into that rent for the space that it occupies in the building. If I just look at payroll numbers. Uh, on what it t- uh, on the people involved in it, it 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 doesn't pay for itself. That's crazy. And, that's, and I'm like, this this is just ridiculous. John Anderson owns a shop, owned a shop. Now he lives on a boat on the Bahamas, but he owned a shop down the street here. And he he was online one time. He goes, there is no, there are no bad jobs, just improperly built jobs. Yep, and. I think it was Paul Danner was saying, did you mention this? I might have been texting. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> hey, now when the car comes in, it's upfront flat fee this much just to just to start. It's going to be like this moving forward because we know that if we're getting this car, it's already a problem child and I'm not going to lose my shirt on this. And we might figure it out in 10 minutes, but guess what? Luck of the draw. Yeah. Most of the time, 80% of the time, this is going to be a minimum of this much time invested in this vehicle, and that's going to cost, carry this level of cost to it. 
So it's not it's not a matter of oh, hey I'm going to say no. We say no to vehicles because we don't want to put the time and effort in. But you as a Duramax Duramax Allison specialist, you sort of have to take on. That's how you bill yourself. You see what I'm saying? Like the brand carries a right. we will fix anything Duramax and Allison related. Okay, that's nothing wrong with that. If you take absolutely every Duramax and Allison on, you need to start looking at every single diagnostic process it carries on average a whatever four hour time that's, that's what is that going to cost if i factor in my gross profit number needed that means it's going to be a thousand bucks for me to even touch this vehicle for me to make any money on average now on you may that covers 80% of the vehicles. That's what you end up having to factor in. 80% of the vehicles, I will make profit on $1,000 if it's a upfront charge. And that's that's what it turns into. Uh, dude, uh, Village Auto Diagnostics, you see him post something on there. Um, he, has a, he has a 22-inch monitor. When you walk in the, in the shop, it's just it hits you right there. And if this vehicle is 2010 and newer, it's 160 an hour. If it's 2010 older, it's 175 an hour, no free diagnostics. And then that's it. Well, and, and, you know, so I think there's, there's a few aspects of this, right. That we got to talk about. And and one is, is there is a certain level of uh, salesmanship's not the right word, but a certain level of explaining on the front counter mm-hmm. to convey to them. Right. And as owners, when somebody comes in and says, you're too expensive, man, it hurts. But the problem is, is that when you start going up and you don't realize this until you get it where you need to be and you're charging what you need to charge, those are not the clients that need to be in the shop anyway. Those are not the clients that are... No, that are, no it's not even a client thing. It's a, he's going to get every Duramax and Allison owner. And it's the cost of owning the truck. Yeah. We have a slightly different deal that we can, we can say no to things. It's, that's, and that... He's in a corner. He can't. He can't leave that corner. He's stuck there. That that's been some of the conversations that there's. So there's a handful of other guys in the, uh, um, we'll call it in the diesel industry that are here, um, and a lot of this discussion and training and everything else is based on general automotive, which is perfectly fine. But we all find ourselves having these little conversations off to the side. I'm like, well, how does that apply to us? Because, quote unquote, we're so different. Our average ticket is substantially higher than the industry, but our obviously our car count is way less. Our jobs are bigger. Our carryover is bigger. We can't just schedule um, – excuse me one second <clears> – four trucks or, or four vehicles a day per tech uh, like I've heard a lot of people do. And I'm like, man, would, would that be easier? And I don't know how we would get around that. I, here's the thing, though, is that, that it, it works the exact same way. Right now, you the deal is, is you might find your your gross profit margin a little bit lower in some of the parts. We talked about you know you sell a set of eight injectors in a Duramax, right? Mm-hmm. We probably need to come down a little bit because we're going to have so much gross profit, and the amount of time it takes gross profit per hour is going to be so high if we put them at sixty percent. Like we're going to be substantially higher than anybody else, right? Sure. But in the same respect, you got to have a higher labor rate, right? So that makes up for some of that. We still need to be able to repair that job or, or warranty that job, no matter what happens. Like that doesn't change because we're a diesel shop. 
right? And, and you know, I've talked about parking lot scheduling. Parking lot scheduling is the exact same thing for a diesel shop as it is for a general repair shop, right? I schedule my diesel jobs the same way. It's that my average hour per RO for a, a diesel job is X. For me, it's about six and a half hours. So I know that if my diesel guy's on a job, that his tickets are six and a half hours. How many six and a half hours tickets can he do in a day? He can do two, right? Mm -hmm. It may be that it's a day and a half, whatever. But the point is, is he typically is on that that two, do two job a day ticket, right? And so we just look at our hours per RO and we say, hey, listen, this is a this is a higher hour ticket. So I have to schedule accordingly. And then I have to have this many dollars per that scheduling, right? My average ticket for this is this. I watch my GP per hour and it works. And, right? that, it's, and that right there, all them specifics and knowing all that information, I a thousand percent struggle right there. And you know why? Because it was all gobbledygook. Well, let me tell you, cleaning out <laughs> a little bit here. It was all gobbledygook. It well, was. It was. Sorry. Ahead. Sorry. It, it's it sounded good though because he's got that southern accent. Well, anyway, makes, twang. <laughs> makes that twang. <laughs> what with you being a specialist though, you've got a leg up. You've got a huge leg up mm -hmm. in that all of a sudden it's managing expectations. It's not a how many do I schedule? Get them all in. Yeah, every right. phone call. They're calling you because you are the Duramax Allison specialist. That's it. Now, when you show up to a specialist, the whole, hey, I need to get in for a quick oil change is out the window. Now you're waiting for my time and expertise. I'm sorry. The uh, Right now, our, our inspections are two to three days out. I'm just letting you know. Our inspection, you can drop it off. You need to drop it off here because we'll put it in the queue. Once it's here, it's usually two to three to turn around to get your mm -hmm. inspection back. Okay, what happens after that? Then we present you the estimate. You figure out what you need to do. And oh, how long does a repair take? It depends on what we're doing on the vehicle. But it could be two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Now, they don't have to come back to you. But understand that if you want the Duramax Allison Specialist, that's what it's going to take. And at that point, that removes the whole conversation of how many cars. You take them all. Yeah. Take every yeah. and in that two to three day turnaround, maybe a week now, because you would just have but more I, cars sitting there. I I think though I, I guess the thing is is that I don't want him to go back and say, Well, that won't work here because I'm a diesel shop. Right? I I, I don't want him to say, Well, I can't charge that because I'm a diesel shop and our tickets are bigger, so we can't charge that much for that. Right? We hear that so much. I can't do that here. That won't work here. You don't understand my situation. Yeah, but like at some point, I think he, I think you've come to the realization that that's oh, totally. probably not not the it's, conversation it's, you need to have with yourself. It's, it's, just, it's just that excuse generated thing in your head. So, yeah. so maybe three weeks ago, I I raised the labor rate, uh, our our shop rate, our door rate, um, twenty two and some odd change. Because I went to a, I went to an off number. I'm like, yeah. we were a flat 125 bucks, and every time you quote something, the Duramax comes out, Allison specialist was 125 an hour. I told you I'm not very smart. <laughs> Holy moly, that is cheap. That's a I good know. deal. Hey, I'm gonna start shipping them up there. I know. <laughs> it's like, hey, you got about hey, six coming to you. Right, I need a water pump done. <laughs> Bring it on in. But my rate just went up. <laughs> Ship ends are 250 an hour. <laughs> 
I, I think what's most important though, if, if this this were me, and I'm completely out of the loop, like it doesn't matter to me, right? It's like I'm not affected by it. But if I were to sit down and look at the situation, I would calculate out what my overhead is going to be, my fixed expenses, my variable expenses, and then build build in the profit. And then now you have a decent budget to go off of and go, how what's realistically the amount of hours I can I can get out of this shop assuming decently efficient processes and then now you have a number and now you just whatever the labor rate has to be the labor rate is it may not be 147 and change it might be that hey i need to be at 211 52 and then i can still run a 35 percent parts gp and we need to target a 35% parts GP knowing that I'm going to be a two-to-one parts of labor ratio. And the numbers then end up working out profitably for you without having to necessarily do any other work or get any more vehicles through. If the if if it legit is – the problem that ends up skewing everything is that your build hours look artificially low. Oh, they they and they genuinely are. Are but in my, that's not necessarily a my guy's not fast enough. It's a we undercharged. We're, we way undercharged. Yeah, that that should have been a thirty-two hour job, not a sixteen-hour job. And it's because we did thirty-two hours worth of work. But just like you were saying, yep. you got to add the bolts and you got to do the the pressure test on the return line and all of those little nuances have to be billed. And they're not yep. being billed because you're just looking at R and R injectors, sixteen hours, and then that's what you're pushing through. Yeah, well, we'll we have a we have a lot of kits or things like that. And if we do that injector job, yeah, ninety eight percent, ninety nine percent of what we're going to need to do from a from a rusty truck thing, we can predict that we can put all that in yeah, up front. Of course, there's always the miscellaneous, and and I treat shop supplies probably not. I mean, I think our tickets max at fifty bucks. Holy for shop supplies. cow! Um, but just like Cecil was saying last night, that needs to be gloves and some rags. And yeah, some, and right now we uh, we safety squints. We write off a lot of stuff to shop supplies from a lazy standpoint. Oh um, no! And that's, and that's the biggest thing. Like, yeah. and is that justifiable? No, because it does add up. It does all that stuff does add up, and then another struggle that I call a struggle could be called excuse. We have an e-commerce site. We're putting the parts on a guy's truck that we sell on our e-commerce site. He can look at our e-commerce site and say, "I can." Why are you selling it to me at a higher rate? And currently, we don't have the ability in our SMS to be able to hide all that information. I've learned a lot about what SMS looks like nowadays. Yeah. And and clearly what system are you using? Uh, <laughs> um I probably I it, I'll I'll tell you after the show. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's not common. It's, they they, they won't like, I is, guarantee they're not listening. And they're good. Well, I mean it's old. if it's old it's old. It's like Windworks or something like that, no, like really old. No, it's it's, it's older. It's older than Windworks. French. It's French. Canadian. Lancar? Who? Lancar? I ran Lancar for a while. They were Canadian. You're close. And maybe it's the same thing. That's just saying it in French. <laughs> <laughs> he 
He does have a thing for the French ladies. Well, I do. It's, it's the van. She's a great. <laughs> she has a great voice. That's all. Oh, but the system we have now, I've had for a long time. I didn't know what I didn't know until I start realizing that. Oh, like like we can text people in it, but I can't get text authorizations. My DVIs don't integrate at all. Yeah. Into it, so my DVI is a completely standalone thing, and I'm bouncing back and forth, and and I and I. I don't want to say that SMS is the reason we're not profitable, but I can't even figure out how to run reports on half the stuff in it. And then, you know, last night at dinner, we pull out a phone and we're looking at numbers, you know, around a round table. And I'm thinking, "Hmm, I'll be over here. You guys need anything? Scrolling Facebook because I can't (laughs) can't see any of that. I have to log into a desktop. And so you got to look at the dealership, though. The dealership. Somebody goes into service at the dealership and they need uh, some brakes or whatever. The price that they are paying for those brake parts are not the same cost of what they would go into the at most dealerships. Now, some Mm -hmm. dealerships are sketchy, but they're just doubling the build hours. That's a different deal. But for for the most part, they're paying one hundred and fifty dollars for the brakes. Well, they could go and buy those brakes for sixty five bucks across the counter at the retail parts place. That's not your problem. (laughs) Well, and that's (laughs) and that's the. You're not. I'll be happy to sell you these parts at this cost, sir. But we're not putting putting them in, and they're not carrying my warranty. Do you want this to to do the service work? Yeah. It's like okay. Well, then the parts are going to cost this much. But it's even that. It's like parts and material. It's like it's the full service cost this much to do. And that's and that's that's where I need to approach it as because again, it's the owner on the service counter thing. I'm like, I can't charge him that much money. Yeah. Well, why not? And I and again, the last ninety days have been eye opening for me in, in a lot of that stuff. You know the company as a whole is profitable. But if, if I look at service department, it's yeah, it's it should be the most most profitable and, and, and it's not dragging the rest of the company down, but it takes a tremendous amount of resource and attention pulling away from other parts of the pump company. Whereas it it should be the it should be the leader, in my opinion, uh, or, or my new opinion, or my, my feeling. And that service department is what generates the items that we sell, the products that we develop. Yeah. Um, we've, I've, I've, always, I've always done the uh, factory flaw type fix approach. So never really had a lot of performance type parts. So like, here's a factory flaw. It's a known issue. Here's how we, we can make it better. Now we have an improved version of a stock piece or upgraded or something. doesn't necessarily mean it's a race product. It just means this is a common issue. Here's how we can fix it. Mm-hmm. Or at least our. Well, I was, I was telling him about the transfer case deal last night, right? Because a lot of those transfer cases got just scrapped and replaced mm-hmm. and got a reman unit put in. Tell us a little bit about that because I think that's – I, I was trying to explain it to him. I sucked at explaining it. So. I explained it fine. So, he was geeking out on your website last night, by the way. He was like, "Yeah, I know. I I could I seen some notifications come through. Yeah, I know. Right? I spent <laughs> all my money. <laughs> so, GM, um, new venture transfer cases would have been the two forty six that 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 two piece housing magnesium housing case, not the earlier stuff that that had the, the bolt on tail pipe, tail cone, but." All those transfer cases, 98 to 07, anything GM, four-wheel drive, except an all-wheel drive, 
was notorious for the pump rubbing through the housing. And probably everybody's seen it or heard of it or dealt with it yeah, knows exactly have. what it is. Yeah. And we would see those and I'm thinking, okay, why is this happening? Well, this sharp little aluminum pump housing is floating around in this softer magnesium housing and and it just happens over time. And I remember shortly after I started the company, sitting there, I'm like, oh, if we could just make this wider. So I took the a stock plate over to the to a shop across the street that did did welding. So he took some, you know, aluminum and built up that for me. And then I went back and filed it all down and put some surface area to it where it rubs. And I'm like, oh, that works pretty good. I'm like, this is not going to be cost effective to be doing this. So that turned into the process of, okay, how can I take this part to getting it produced and getting it drawn up? I, I'm not a CAD guy. So in the first, I, I bought 10 of them and it cost me what felt like as much as my house to get 10 of these made. So mm -hmm. I had to charge not near enough, but enough to get those sold. <clears throat> and then, but basically what that's doing is it's fixing that transfer case. I can take that plate, retrofit it into any, any case, even if it's got some wear started and keep it from happening in the future. Yeah. And the only issue with those transfer cases or for the most part was the fluid would all come out of them. And if, and like we always tell people in the, in our, company transfer case is the forgotten beast there's no yeah. there's no dipstick there's no warning yeah. light there's no there's mm -hmm. nothing that says make sure you double check the transfer case so if you keep fluid in the thing it's probably going to last yeah. well that little pinhole the way it sits or the way it wears in there it's above the fluid level at a rest so it's only going to leak going down the road and it's only a pinhole so you might get a few spots on a tailgate it's the only thing you're going to know until it's just run itself pull them out of fluid Yep. Mm -hmm. So that plate <clears throat> was just, I don't want to say an accident, but it, it it wasn't me sitting there thinking, today I'm going to come up with something new. What's it going to be? And looking around the room, it was just, oh, we see this repeat failure. Let's turn that into something. Let's do that to production. Let's blah, 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 blah. Um, because of the challenges of outsourcing that and dealing with outside lead times, brought machines in-house. So then we start CNC in those ourselves, and then I have to CNC it. Then I need the material, so I bought a saw to cut the material. So that turns into this whole manufacturing side of the company. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure my numbers are going to be wrong because I haven't looked in a while. But I dare say, over the years, we've probably done twenty five thousand of those plates. Yep. And it sounds like a lot until you realize how many of them vehicles are on the road. We didn't. We didn't even scratch the surface. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and so I, I asked you to tell that story for. Did for I tell this. the right part of the story? You or did. Was I no, you, you got it. And and so I asked you to tell that for one specific reason. It's that what you don't realize is is because you look at that plate and you say I'm selling this online for this, right? But you go in your shop and you do that service. You just saved them forty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Right. And you're saying, well, but the part doesn't cost me but this much to make. And I've sold a bunch of them, so I've already made my money back. So it's not – you say that that has worth, that has value. Yeah, that repairs X amount of dollars. You accomplished of, something for them that they they yeah. couldn't have accomplished otherwise. You know what I'm saying? Like, So you, does that get recommended as just a maintenance item? It's, it's, it's a lot – okay, let me rephrase that. 
I don't because it only fits to oh seven. The sales have dropped on them. Those yeah. trucks are getting older. Older, yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's frankly, there's some knockoffs that are on Amazon. I've seen of that same thing that are you know copied. I can't compete with the Chinese. That's yeah. fine. Um, it used to, it, it was easier in the in the older days, five six eight years ago, to recommend that as a recommended service or a maintenance mm-hmm. item. But probably what it was is we did a again learning what I'm learning recently. We might have not had the confidence in portraying it to the customer that hey, we can go in there and do this, and we can save you a bunch of money down the road because it's not. It, I struggled with because, well, it's not guaranteed it's going to happen. It could. If we pulled the transmission out of the truck, which we did a lot of those Allison builds, that was just part of the job. I'm going to drain that fluid out of that transfer case regardless because time and time again, we see a transmission issue that really is a transfer case problem. Yeah. If the transfer case isn't working right, throwing the speed sensor off, that the transmission needs that speed sensor. So we've been able to catch that. And also, if we're going in the transfer case, maybe, you know, A, I can sell him the fluid. B, I know he's getting fresh fluid, so at least we inspected it. I'll open it up, put the plate in. And then usually there was maybe the blocking rings were worn. It was grinding going into gear. So we could upsell a little bit on that regard so that that transfer case wasn't going to be an issue for him. For And then I knew the transmission was going to last, or, or at least it wasn't going to have an issue because of a transfer case. So it was that kind of like uh, you talked about doing the rockers on the six lead. Yeah. It was doing, this is going to be an issue. We're going to make sure it's not. As long as, and again, this is where I was the owner on the service counter. I didn't like selling people stuff that they didn't need. And I'm not talking about fluid maintenance and, and general maintenance, but I don't always have the confidence to say, you should do this. It's $4,000 to prevent this from happening, which is $10,000. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it's a, that's where a good service writer yeah. can have that confidence and he can do that job because his heart's not in it. Or, okay. Or, uh, what's the, what's how his you, wallet's not in it. It's not spending not his own it. money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and look, I mean, I, I went through the same thing and, and I, even being back on the counter a little bit here recently, I catch myself doing that. You know, I'm, I'm backing stuff down or I'm saying like, you know, and it's probably going to be a problem eventually, but it'll be okay, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the thing is, is for until the first time, it's not exactly. And and you screwed that customer over. You should have said something. And and so I think the thing is, is is what I have learned. The the thing that I do is a I'm flexible, right? I'm not trying to set a hard line in the sand that says we have to do this. This is the only way to do this. This is the right way and the only way. I try and be flexible, and I try and educate them. I try and be their advocate. I try and give them information so they can make an informed decision. My job is to educate them. It is their job to decide how they want to spend their money. Yeah. So you always tell them. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.